You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, good morning, Wrestling Inc., or should I say good afternoon, depending on what part of the country or world you are in right now. It's me, Wrestling Inc. Managing Editor Nick Hausman, and I am joined here as I'm going to be consistently every Wednesday. I'm, it's supposed to be a three-man power trip here but right now we're going to start off with the traditional two-man power trip it's me glenn rubenstein glenn thank you very much for coming back here to the wrestling podcast this wednesday yeah first wednesday in a while uh i think i missed two weeks so yeah it's good to be back man justin labar should be along here shortly any minute smackdown 1000 last night got a lot to talk about there but what's up in the news this morning everyone's still talking about the crown jewel what's what's the latest on this nick Great question, Glenn. Um, yeah, you know, let's let's dive into it here. This is the thing that arguably, outside of any television angles going on, what's going on with Crown Jewel? I think at this point, it, it seems like, you know, again, I think it's as Meltzer said uh, on Wrestling Observer Radio, unless these guys get an order from the State Department or the President himself, I, I think they're fully intent on going through with this. And I think over time, we'll find out what all the factors were going into that. I mean, we just saw JBL. He was on Fox News yesterday defending WWE's call. You know, he is sticking to the argument of WWE is a peace vehicle. Regardless of what's going on here, these guys are going to go over there and try to spread Western influence in, in what is a very uh, different environment. Does that is that an argument that you think should be being made right now by anybody? You know, even well, so look what happened with the Greatest Royal Rumble. People said that ahead of time last time when there were no women's matches. Oh, this will be great. Soon, you know, in a year or two, there'll be women's matches in Saudi Arabia. The WWE is paving the way. And then right after the event happened and there was that glimpse from that Best of Both Worlds commercial and the uh, Saudi Sports Authority apologized. I forget what did they say, like the scandalous women, the improper women. They put oh. out this statement. Everyone that was like, OK, maybe this really isn't the vehicle for progress maybe saudi arabia you know ain't ready for what the wwe is bringing to their to their country as a, as a native texan thank you for throwing the ain't in there all right yeah yeah, yeah but uh no so i think um i think the argument that professional wrestling is going to spread democracy and uh human rights is a little naive i mean and i'll that's probably the most polite way i can put it um i don't know the situation in Saudi Arabia and some of the Middle Eastern, um, you know, uh, more extremely conservative countries is not one that is easily solved or easily cracked. I think, uh, you know, the United States government, the CIA, the Western world has been trying to figure this one out for decades. Vince McMahon is a creative genius, but I don't know that he's smart enough to single handedly solve this problem. Yeah, I, I, I agree with 
almost everything you said there, Glenn. In fact, I agree with everything you said. I don't want to say almost. I, I think you're right about being it being a little naive, and I think that means in it, particularly in this moment. I mean, this has become an issue that's so much bigger than just trying to bridge countries. There's so many other factors at this point. Uh, but if if there wasn't literally, you know, uh, an American life, you know, American resident life on the line here, it could be could be a different story. Um, but it's it's rough right now to try to use, to use that argument, in my opinion. Uh, and now we also there was a couple other crown jewel things I just want to touch on here before we get to SmackDown. Yeah, one thousand. Uh, I heard this on Meltzer. Turns out it came from Wrestle Talk. Apparently the re apparently the reason Glenn we're getting a World Cup at Crown Jewel is because uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar don't get along so well, and Qatar is holding the actual World Cup. So this is their version. Saudi Arabia is like, no, no, no. We also have a World Cup. So uh, just kind of an interesting note there. Hey, we got Justin Labar in the house. Hey, Justin, welcome to the to the Wink Podcast. Hey, guys, how are you? Good. So where are you flying at? You flying in from Hoboken? Where are you from right now? Always jet-setting. Again, I don't reveal. <laughs> so Justin, your mic's uh, hitting your collar a bit. Yeah, we're hearing a little scratchiness. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I don't have my normal uh, setup today. So, Justin, because you're late, uh, I'll ask. Put this to you. So, the WWE pandering to Saudi Arabia with the World Cup, perhaps would say kowtowing to Saudi Arabia by still going. Uh, what's what's the next low the WWE can hit oh, in this relationship? No, no wait, that is that is a very negative. <laughs> I have to say that was a ostensibly negative way to I mean, very negative comment. All right, anyway, Justin, answer the question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a weird situation. You, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. In, in, in any which way, if you're the talent, whether you support it, you're against it. Um, you know, business. And then, then there's always the argument of, OK, none of us can speak to it's not our company. You know, the business standpoint. I don't know. It, it's a bizarre. This this is the one of the most bizarre situations I can ever remember WWE being called into. Yeah, uh, very much so. Uh, and on the note of WWE, we'll wrap up the, the Crown Jewel kind of uh, roundup, the wrap up, the roundup of Crown Jewel talk here at the top. Uh, there was a report that came out um, from uh, Justin Barrasso at Sports Illustrated. By the way, interesting, SI Sports Illustrated speaking out like that, Barrasso publicly calling for them to, to cancel the show, uh, brought up how there were some roster members that had expressed dissent. So I reached out to WWE, asked if anyone had come to them, how they were handling it, the response we got back. Late on Monday night, which I know, Glenn, we already kind of talked about, though. Yeah. As always, we maintain an open line of communication with the performers as we continue to monitor the situation. Hadn't said that to Justin yet. I don't know if everyone caught it, but that is the company line right now in regards to if you've got an issue, I guess you can talk to us about it. And we <laughs> will accept the fact you said something does. That sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> where, where, where in all these shoot interviews and these interviews with legends and former WWE superstars, where are these stories about, you know, I had an issue with something and I just went and I talked to Vince McMahon and we sorted it out and everything was fine. There's quite a few of those. I feel like it depends on your relationship. You know, Undertaker yeah, yeah. and that. Chris Jericho sounds uh -huh. like had more than a couple of heated conversations with Vince McMahon. Yeah, usually it's about storyline and character, not about like, I really feel like the company is selling out in the name of, you know, that's a really good point. And Justin, well, other than storyline stuff, I mean, from a from a PR perspective, can you ever think of a time where a talent or many talents spoke up about some kind of public relations issue? Not really. I mean, I, I'm, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to jog my memory and think. But yeah, this is a, this is such a unique situation. Um, you know, this is this is. This is, you know, the WWE has never done an international deal like this. And now, mind you, when they did the deal, they did it 
obviously prior to this to the to the killing of this journalist and and saudi saudi arabia is listed as a united states ally you know never that's a whole different conversation of how where their where their culture's at or how they treat you whatever but they are listed as an ally it's not like you know so you know it's 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 a really unique situation i can't think of anything where where world events nonetheless have had so much of an effect in in this yeah and great point justin they you know you go up the food chain a little bit and a lot of people are doing business with saudi arabia right now so very tough call. A lot of opinions on this one. Definitely is not a story that's going to go away. I'm sure next week we'll be talking about it. Let's switch gears here. Let's get to SmackDown 1000. 1,000 episodes of the Blue Brand. Huge accomplishment. A uh, couple big names came back for tonight's show. Uh, they were in Washington, D.C. Uh, we got some uh, video. We got, a, we got a bunch of video packages, a lot of slideshows on last night's show of, of memories from the past. Uh, let's kind of real quickly, just loosely, since we're talking SmackDown 1000, let's go down the the memory train here. I'll start with you, Glenn. Glenn, what's your what's your favorite SmackDown memory? Well, I think last night just proved, you know, once again, and we've seen this on SmackDown throughout the years, that Vince McMahon is an amazing dancer for a white man. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Justin, how about you? Do you have a, a, a SmackDown favorite memory from 1000 episodes? <laughs> I don't have one favorite. There's a lot of things I remember that I know took place on SmackDown, whether it be, um, <clears throat> you know, whether it, it be, uh, the, they, they showed the clip, you know, I can remember uh, Big Show tossing Foley to the, to the Buried Alive set. I don't know why that was memorable. Vince getting Stacey Keeler dancing in front of him and he tips back over in his chair. It's like a, it's like a great, you know. <laughs> the the gift that never, never stops giving. Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of memories I have of SmackDown like that, but I, maybe this is maybe this kind of sums up SmackDown to me. There's not one thing where I go, yeah, that was an enormous moment. Like you know, Raw. Like I was at Raw 25 and sitting in Manhattan Center back in January. Raw. You know, yeah, you can go through like the big moments, and I can kind of almost prioritize. I don't really have that with SmackDown, and maybe part of that, and probably a big reason of why that is, is because for a large chunk of SmackDown. I didn't watch it live, or maybe sometimes I didn't see it at all because I would just read the spoilers and go, okay, I'm not going to miss anything. Yeah. I was in college, so I didn't want to you know, eat up my Friday night sitting there watching that. So that's probably why it is that it, it just, it's always had that B-show mentality to me. Now, I do think they do a lot better shows here in these recent years when they've become live, as, as Glenn and I talk about now, Nick, each Wednesday. But I, I don't think in the history of SmackDown, it doesn't stand out the way it all does. Yeah, the last two years, though, I have to say SmackDown has been on a roll, which why it was cool last night to see Stephanie McMahon come out, then Shane come out, and then get into a little bit of heated A-show-B show talk. You know, I mean, when Shane came out, I don't know if you guys felt this, but I, I had sort of that mark out moment when Shane is talking about SmackDown, you know, being its own thing, being in its own entity, having its own energy, seeing the crowd pop for that. I feel like these last two years, SmackDown – as a brand, I have been the most invested in of all, all things the WWE has done. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, with that said, I think it's a good time to probably jump into that that Shane segment here. We started off the show with what has become like a cult hit in the WWE universe. Uh, Truth TV, R-Truth and Carmella. Who'd have thought? Such great chemistry these two have. Uh, fans really are star- – I, I think they're really enjoying Truth TV. Um, Truth acts like there have been a – Many memories on Truth TV over the years, even though there's only been a couple episodes of it, a couple segments. Uh, Carmelo reminds him this is only the second episode, and Truth calls for a dance break. Do you dance at home, Justin, when they call for the dance break? I do not. I do. It's great. <laughs> I feel like I should start. Uh, <laughs> something to do, guys. 
All right, well, the fans call for another one, and Truth goes to introduce the first guest, but he just breaks out another dance break with Carmella. Carmella says it's time to bring out the first guest. That brought out Steph. Man, Steph is so mean. She's such a mean person. Uh, you know, she says she she was the, the first general manager of SmackDown. She had vision. It's, it's wonderful to see that. She tells Truth to go ahead, and, and Truth is about to ask his first question, and Steph, or, and then Shane McMahon comes out, and Shane officially welcomes everyone to SmackDown. And they kind of go tit for tat here about which is the A show, SmackDown and Raw. I'm, I was kind of a little surprised to, to go back to that argument. I, I don't know why they keep going back to that. I don't know why you have to put one show above the other. You know, it, it seems weird to me. Is that weird to y'all? Well, well I don't think they, I think it's just because when you have, the, you know, because she's the commissioner of, of Raw and, and he was last with SmackDown. I think that that's just like, that's just the by default. What else are they going to argue about? Who, who has more money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good call. Uh, so uh, Shane thanks the fans in her attendance and viewers around the world. Uh, Steph knocks the fans for buying Shane's lines. Ugh, awful here. She walks about, like I said, to the A show. She talks her up. Uh, she says that uh, on Raw, they would never start the show off with Truth TV, which got a big negative reaction from the crowd. Everyone loves Truth TV. Um, Shane goes on about how they give people chances and what they want to see on SmackDown with what they want to see on SmackDown. Music interrupts, and out comes Vince McMahon. We've got all the McMahons except Linda there in the ring, and Vince says, no one wants to see Shane and Stephanie argue. They want to be entertained. Vince says uh, he's getting the what treatment from the crowd. Steph says, guys, he's wearing a, a hearing aid. You don't need to say what. He can hear you. Uh, and then call, Vince calls for a dance break. All right, I wanted to just kind of get through that all and, and ball it up so we could all take in what I just said there. This is how they started SmackDown 1000. I was I was a little underwhelmed by it. Uh, Third to you, Justin. When the segment was over, I was underwhelmed. You know, having the McMahon one after another come out, that's exciting. You know, we don't see, especially Vince, that often. So, you know, normally whenever you have those segments, I mean, you know, Vince had a great, you know, they had a great segment with Vince at Roll 25 and everything. So normally when you get them, I am excited. But, yeah, it was very underwhelming the way it ended. I was what I was hoping for because we didn't know at this point. I was hoping, okay, we never did actually find out who tr who Truth's intended guest was. Was his intended oh. guest Shane, and Stephanie interrupted that? Or was his intended guest Vince, and then the kids interrupted that? I was hoping, okay, it's none of these three, that they would all dance, and then and then Truth would stop them and say, guys, 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 we got to get the guest out here, and then it'd be The Rock. That was what I was really hoping for. So I think I set myself up way too high. Yeah, no video from The Rock even last night. A tweet. Yeah. yeah, a tweet from the rock. The guy, the guy, the guy, the guy lives in Hollywood and is surrounded by cameras, but nobody, nobody, nobody could find thirty seconds for him to say, uh, "Do you smell what the rock is cooking?" And no, lay the SmackDown. No, no. He said, "You know, I do." Well, we get to the rock stuff now, I guess. I kind of wonder if he laid out because of the Saudi stuff. I think that I don't know if there's, you know, they're saying, "Hey, oh, maybe we're not, we're not saying don't do stuff with WWE, but maybe not the right time to be on WWE TV." You know, I, I kind of that, that was in the back of my head when Rock wasn't on the show, personally. Possibly. Um, but anyway, yeah, just, you know, Vince calling for the dance break. There's awkward dancing. So much potential there. I, I don't know why they they didn't give us something with some bite. I mean, it was really just just fluff here with the McMahons to get the show started. Um, and then uh, they reminded us we got Ray and, and Shinsuke coming up in a World Cup qualifier. We're going to have uh, Becky and Charlotte on the cutting edge, and uh, we're also going to see Evolution. And then they throw to AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, like fantasy tag team here, taking on the Usos. Uh, Glenn, what you, would you think of this tag bout? Well, that to me was uh, 
you know, uh, the, the darker years of, of SmackDown in terms of, okay, we're going to have this random tag match with two guys that were going against each other, teaming up as a tag team to face the Usos. Come on, three years ago, four years ago, that's SmackDown in a nutshell. Man, and again, they, and, and they missed the layup. They missed the layup of not having Teddy Long come out and make it a yeah. tag team match. We're going to put, you know, at, 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 at Crown or at whatever, you're going to see Dan O'Brien versus AJ Styles. But tonight, it's going to be a tag team match player. How do we not get that? Yeah. So right, Justin. So right. And uh, I, I, I agree with you too, Glenn, that this seemed like not a traditional thing that they would, or not a thing they would normally do on SmackDown currently. This show tonight felt like there was different. I mean, I'm sure there were different voices in the room because it was a special kind of show, but it broke the mold of the kind of typical SmackDowns we've been seeing recently that I thought have largely flowed r- really well and have had a lot of good segments. This is a little weirdly paced last night, but uh, we had AJ and Daniel here, and, and the match ends with a miscommunication between AJ and Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan kicked AJ. Bryan turns around for a double super kick from the Usos, and Daniel Bryan gets pinned. In this tag match, yeah, Usos win, and now I guess this is the seeds we have for some dissension between AJ and Daniel Bryan. Um, go to you, Glenn. Is this the the right way to continue build for this this showdown between the two? I think it's the only way to do it. Right? It's hard to have two guys that are that are faces that are so over with the crowd in a one on one match against each other. You know, it's it's hard to do uh, one of those good sportsmanship. You know, uh, feats of strength. We're going to have a contest, a battle battle of the wills to see who indeed is the better man. I love the way you phrase that. First of you all, know? Princess Bride. Uh, second, Justin, uh, you were you a fan? Do you think this was the only way to go about it for these two? Yeah, there's not much other option, as Glenn was saying. I mean, you got you got a guy, you know, the, the two guys that are viewed to be two of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, other than, other than giving us a couple weeks of fluff of, Man, I really respect you. Man, I really respect you. I can't <laughs> wait to, for you to bring the best out of me. Other than that, I mean, what are you going to have them do? Uh, take a test about wrestling psychology? I mean, and, and it's not like they're two large guys. So, yeah, there's no feat of strength or no arm wrestling contest or whatever it's going to happen. So, yeah, then it pretty much has to be, man, I respected you. I, I trusted you to be my tag partner, but you kicked me in the head. I mean, you really have no other way to go about this here other, other than, you know, we're the best in the world. I can't wait to fight you. So the crown jewel, does Samoa Joe run in and ruin the match? Does the Miz run in and ruin the match? Or do both of them run in and ruin the match? Ooh, good. Ooh, the double. Ooh. I definitely thought Miz, because Miz seems poised. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Joe, I think I think Joe goes into to different territory. Miz, I could see. Mm, I don't know that Joe would have come into this one, personally. Mm. You also have to remember, too, like, how willing is WWE going to be to fly extra people over if they don't have a match? I Meaning, are you going to fly somebody over just for a one-in spot? Because it's not like it's not like didn't they do that over. last time? I mean, they flew everyone over last time that it was even remotely. Well, but last time they needed fifty people to fill out a battle. That's true. A Rumble. This they don't need that, and and this is also under a lot heated controversy. So I I do think there's something to the fact there, and and obviously they they announced the tournament before this journalist news broke. I do think it was probably in their benefit, though, when they've realized it to, to try to limit the amount of people that get directly attached to this a little bit. Um, just in the back of my head, that's something I keep thinking. And I do wonder if that's why we haven't had more multi-man bouts announced or anything. It still seems to be a pretty limited card, you know, all things considered. And it being such a far ways away, it gives me hope that we will get Samoa Joe inside AJ's house. Samoa Joe in the smoking jacket, reading to AJ's children and tucking Wendy in. So, uh, fingers they, crossed. 
AJ, oh, taking Saudi money right now to <laughs> protecting your children, AJ Styles. Oh, he it could happen. <laughs> Sorry, too real. Um, then we <laughs> have- one double super kick. They got Brian for the pin and the win. Oh, Paige backstage with Vicky Guerrero last night. It was interesting that Paige didn't get more on camera talk yeah. time. Well, and this is where Justin brought up, you got Teddy Long there. Paige is literally debating what to do with two tag teams. And they don't even have him. Yeah, right. They don't even even give him his five-second spot. And not only do they not give Teddy Long that spot, they bring in Johnny Ace to do, like, a robot dance. And Johnny Ace, to the best of my knowledge, John Laurinaitis, never served as a – did he serve as the SmackDown Live GM or no? I don't know. Nope. That he, I, I don't, don't think he did, but he but he had a blue shirt. Yeah, I laughed so hard at this because I was like, "What?" It's like Vicky, Teddy, great GMs, and then out of nowhere, Johnny H just comes in and does the little shimmy dance. Oh, all right. Uh, we come back from the break. It's time for the Evolution reunion. Let's get to something something big here. Uh, music hits. Group comes out. Everybody's obviously got a little different swagger now. It's been a while since these guys have been together. Triple H takes the mic. He touts the thousandth episode. He asks how you accomplish something like that. You accomplish it by constantly evolving. And how do you celebrate something so monumental as a thousand? You bring together the one group that epitomizes the word evolution. I'd like to stop real fast on that statement. If this is the epitome of of the word evolution, very odd word to choose to title your all women's pay-per-view event uh, right <laughs> seems uh i don't know logic word association just saying. no uh, you're 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 right I, I i thought it was funny you know i mean when they when they announced the women's show was gonna be called evolution and then i remember seeing the jokes aha maybe the evolution theme song you know, from from motorhead could be the theme song for this and then they announced like a week later oh yeah evolution's gonna be part of smackdown 1000 yeah. two weeks before the evolution show I remember thinking to myself, that's we're kind of really trapping ourselves in vocabulary, aren't we? Uh, and by the way, has anybody realized? So Triple H came out on live TV in a matter of 24 hours with two factions, two separate factions between Monday and Tuesday, both with theme songs, both theme songs, their lead singers dead. Fun facts. I don't even know where you're going with that statement, but no, I I'm, do- just, I, I'm just saying it's crazy. He was he was in two factions in 24 hours, uh, and both theme songs sung by people who are deceased. Are you suggesting Triple H might be the killer? I also kind of got the thought you were. No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just pointing out the the, 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 I started with the two factions thing, and then I realized I was singing the music for both of them. I was like, oh, wow, they're both. Because Let Me lived like 20 years beyond what anyone predicted was possible, as is. It's really a modern miracle. No, I'm not suggesting that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a conspiracy here, Glenn. I'm just saying, I was just, I don't know. I was just looking at the craziness that he was in two factions in two days. I, that part and then the then when you pointed out that they were that that's that was a weird turn right we were like okay it is kind of you know interesting the two just, factions that's just, just added trivia also yeah, i was gonna say dead. triple h uh there's nothing special about triple h being on wwe tv anymore like we can we don't need to roll out triple h now right but we've never had dx deal. and evolution at the same true time. i agree in the same week nonetheless leading to the formation of evolution x all right so Ooh, that would actually I'm in favor of that. I'm 100% in favor of that. Flair takes the mic. He starts wooing about the thousandth episode. Uh, and then Orton says, coming down the aisle and hearing that music brought back memories. Orton says evolution was just a start for him because he kept evolving. Orton says that while Triple H has been running the show, 
Flair has lived vicariously through his daughter's achievements, and Batista has spent more time in a makeup chair than in a ring. He's been busting his ass to make a name for himself and to cement his legacy, and that's exactly what he plans on doing. Quick, hot, loved it. I thought this was, if you're going to not have Orton lay somebody out, this was about as much as I would want from him in, in promo from this segment. Agreed? Disagree? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then came the high, arguably the highlight of uh, of the show for for many people. Some fans chant for Batista as he takes the mic. Batista admits he's nervous because it's been a while since he was in the ring, but he's going to enjoy it and ignore what Orton said. He says people don't know he doesn't. Or people know he doesn't want the microphone in his hand, but he thought about what he wanted to say on the auspicious occasion of SmackDown 1000. He thought about four things because it's the 1,000th episode of the brand. He's proud to say he helped build the brand. He also wanted to be here because they're in his hometown of Washington, D.C. He talks about being a poor kid. He talks about working as a bouncer for 13 years down the street. Uh, the third reason is the fans. He loves the fans. Rather, they called him Bootista or Blutista. Uh, and he says he gave the fans all he did, uh, all he could every night. He didn't care if he won or lost. He just wanted to entertain. Uh, and then the fourth reason, but not the least important reason, is that these guys, Evolution, he goes on about how special Evolution was, the energy they have when they walk in the room. He says, he, you know, it's never been done before. Putting all these champions together, this is special. He says, Batista praises Orton. Uh, he praises Triple H. Uh, the fans pop. And then uh, Batista says that uh, while he's praising Triple H, you've done everything in the business except one thing, which is beat me. Big pop. F things get serious. Triple H, Batista stare down. Orton eats it up, watches from behind. Flair tries to get in the middle, awkwardly woos on the microphone that they turn on for like a half second. Triple H hugs Batista. They have some friendly words. Everyone's smiling, uh, but it does look like Triple H is bothered, and that's it. Wow. Um, Batista was great here, um, and the fans seem to genuinely want to see a Triple H-Batista match. Uh, Justin, did you like the tease here? Do you think it was executed well? I think the tease was executed well. The segment went a little long. Uh, Batista went a little bit longer than he was supposed to. I think that did have a trickle down effect on some other segments. Um, the tease was executed well, but what's kind of what's kind of baffling to me is like for, for all the for for and he acknowledged it for the for the Batista and Blue Tista and like you know he for all the kind of dis I don't know do people actually want to see this match is what I'm getting to like mm. like people people popped but it's like they popped. Because it was like, you know, yeah, he gave a, a verbal jab to Triple H. That's cool. It sounded good, well-timed. But it's like, okay, do we actually really, like, are fans really going to want to see this match at WrestleMania? Because I can just see the same crop of fans who dislike Batista every time he comes back to saying, oh, this is just taking up a spot that name current or young wrestler could have. I don't know. I just, I, I, I was kind of like, yeah, executed well. And, like, I don't mind seeing the match. But, like, I was kind of shocked that it was, like, such the top story all over social media, people buzzing about him. Like, a lot of the people, I'm like, like, do you guys actually want to see this match? Or are you just going to bitch about it once it gets announced i don't know it's interesting i wonder does uh dave batista have to do this at this stage in his career i know he's wanted to come back he's wanted to do more um i you know i've listened to his interviews where he's talking about acting he's talking about his love of uh wrestling still what he wants to accomplish as an actor but i mean look at guardians one guardians two infinity war he's going to be in avengers four um, you know, there's talk now that James Gunn is doing Suicide Squad 2 for DC, that Batista might move over and play a character there. I just, I, I feel like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, good on him for wanting to come back and give something back to the wrestling world, but clearly his career does not need this at this point. But, would, but wouldn't giving back to the wrestling career mean, you know, Batista versus, again, pick somebody current? Is it really giving back that he comes back and does WrestleMania against Triple H? 
Well, as Triple H, I think he could be a face, and I think he could be cheered. I think the nice guy that we've heard in interviews, and I mean, come on, you know, it's like look at Guardians and what he does as Drax. Like, I think that he'll get oh some crossover interest maybe back, and I guess against Triple H, he can be the face. I think against a younger talent, he would be in a heel position that might not play as well to his that's mainstream true. fan base. Yeah, that's and, true. That's and point. last time, Batista, Bautista, their Bluetista, that run. You know, he came back and, and was not at the level of celebrity he's at now and tried to play by a lot of the same rules I think that he had when he was a normal superstar. I don't get the vibe he's going to do that this time. Yeah. And that means him coming back and, and saying some of the stuff he's been saying more shoot-styled in, in interviews over the past year or so about, these guys never liked me. Hunter never let me go. I tried to get through to these guys. I disagree with management. I genuinely don't like decisions that were made. If you could pull some of that realism in and, and separate it from previous stories you've told with Batista and Triple H, I, I absolutely think you can get fans on the hook for this one. And I've said this before, and this is no hyperbole. Now, granted, I didn't see every film that came out this year, but I think Batista should have been nominated for an Oscar for Drax in the first Guardians film. When you look at who he is and his personality, and then you look at how well he portrayed that character with such comedic timing, and you had uh, autism and Asperger's advocate saying that this was a portrayal of someone on the spectrum that was done so well, someone who's so literal, yet he showed so much emotion in his backstory. To me, that showed this guy can act. I just think he's waiting for the right role beyond Drax that's going to help elevate him to the next level. Yeah, you're. That's. I had honestly thought of him as earning an award for that i just didn't think it was a big enough character i don't think you're wrong i mean you said a lot of things that are correct and maybe it, this would be a stepping stone to lead to a role that would would get an yeah award. absolutely i want to see what movie he's going to do next i feel like the wwe for him if this doesn't help elevate him further and push him along and connect with the fans and someone in the chat pointed this out his bad reaction last time was like you said with the younger talent that younger talent was daniel bryan like that, you know, that doesn't help Batista get and over as the family that is friendly my, face. And, and that is my last memory of him is, you know, I remember sitting ringside at Rumble 2014, the one that came back and won, the one that Dan O'Brien was not in. And, you know, it came, down to, it came down to Batista and Roman Reigns. And the people were going crazy for Roman Reigns, hoping that just because they didn't want it to be Batista. And, of course, a year later, Roman Reigns went to Philadelphia. We all remember that one. I, I guess that's just my last memory is, like, Batista's just not – He's not one of those guys like The Rock who, when he comes back with cameos or Austin or, or Jericho or whatever, he's not one of those guys I think that gets the same love. But you guys do make good points. He 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 has elevated his status in the mainstream, and, and so. And there was there was, and we, I know we got to move on here because we, we're going to lose. We're at the halfway point here, and Glenn's got a heart out. But I uh, I do think there was a different tone and uh, presentation for Batista last night. He I have never seen him that loose uh, in the ring. He seemed very comfortable. And uh, I just kind of wonder what if you take that energy, where do you where do you go with that storyline with Triple H? I, I think they've done things that, that could plant the seeds for something very real that could hook people. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. World Cup qualifying match for the crown jewel at crown jewel location unknown. Uh, Rusev versus the Miz. Uh, WWE uh, Rusev versus Miz. Very quick. Uh, general general manager, raw general manager Kurt Angle was on commentary for this one. Uh, Miz picked up the win uh, with uh, a yeah. Miz takes advantage, comes from behind, rolling it, wins with a roll up on Rusev here to quickly advance in the tournament. Uh, you mentioned Justin that the Batista segment was a little long. I would guess this match may have got another maybe two three minutes if if that. Yeah, yeah. I mean they 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 they, were, they weren't planning to bring Kurt Angle out there for commentary for a match that short, but I think <laughs> when, when the Batista thing went long, it's like all right, you know, yeah, we have a tag match later. We're we're gonna talk about which titles are gonna change hands. We're not gonna shorten that. 
we're not, you know, or at least not drastically, you know, we're not going to cut too much time off of Ray and Nakamura. So this was kind of the, by default, the thing is right after, right, let's, let's get our, let's gain our time back. Just cut this so we can get back on schedule. And I, I'm, I read too quickly here. The reason that uh, Miz was able to get the roll up was because Aiden English uh, tried to interfere in the bout, distracting Rusev. And after the match, Lana approached Aiden at ringside. She gave him a low blow, big pop. Rusev attacked him, threw him into the ringside kept beating him down and then they like threw to a commercial during the beatdown. um because they were off time they they had they had to get their time back man I, this you know they've given this a solid three four i mean more than three four weeks with the longer history of rusev day but the last three four weeks they've really tried to create it you know to the best of their ability kind of campy compelling storyline i didn't see this thing rusev finally getting his hands in a 60 second brawl you know at a post match it just kind of I, I don't know. If you're short on time, I'd say maybe wait till next week to let Rusev get his hands on him, so you could you could give it the the time deserved. But now they've done it. It's happened. You beat him up. It's you can't do it twice, you know. Well, but Aiden can come back and try to do something, do something to retaliate. You know, maybe, maybe he, uh, you know, I don't know, does something to Lana, locks Lana's dressing room. I don't know. Like he, you know, he could do something. And then now, now, you know, they could oh, that. oh, kidnap. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's, that's that's the route I want. He's already like, oh, I'll, I'll I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't use the words kidnap. I did, I'll just say he could be men- he could be menacing, and, and maybe you know he could uh, throw back to the vaudevillains tired to the train tracks. <laughs> oh yes, right. Simon Gotch has got to have come around on the heat spectrum, right? He's back in good graces. Can we just have him with the mustache? Uh, all right. After the match, uh, we told we talked about that. All right, we go cut backstage. Kurt Hawkins is with Edge for a mini Edgehead reunion. Why is Zack Ryder not there? What was Zach doing? And Byron and Saxon even pointed it out. He goes, "Where's Zach Ryder?" He even <laughs> said it. He even pointed out the the, the, the booking flaw. <laughs> oh, I guess he's recording his action figure podcast. I think that's why he's not here tonight. Uh, now, uh, still to come, the uh, cutting edge. All right, we come back, uh, and Tony Kimmel got to do Edge's big SmackDown superstar entrance. Great, glad that was included. Uh, he says Edge comes out. He says doesn't get any bigger than SmackDown one thousand. He feels like he's just been there. He says SmackDown always felt like his show, and he talks about some of the biggest moments from the blue brand, including the no DQ match uh, with uh, WWE Hall of Famer Eddie Guerrero. Fans chant for Eddie. He says he's been watching the last few weeks and noticed something he had to come address. He says the radar superstar is going to attempt to be SmackDown's moral compass tonight, as as, as strange as that sounds. And Edge introduces his first guest. Yeah, right. The man Edge is the the moral compass. Vince, you got to back out of Saudi Arabia. Oh, no, wait. Becky, you got to bring it back together. Well, maybe you shouldn't have cheated on Matt Hardy's girlfriend, Edge. We're going to be throwing accusations around. (laughs) Or the the same moral compass who had a live sex celebration. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have speared Mick through that flaming table knowing his body was all beat up, you jerk. Just say no. <laughs> Get out of my office. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Grab a lobster and steak. Double fist. Get out. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, we go. Uh, uh, <laughs> I lost my spot. He introduces his first guest. Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. The fans chant for Becky as she enters the ring. Edge thanks her for coming and is happy she's here. Uh, he says he couldn't help but notice how he and Becky were a lot alike. Right. Uh, Becky says that Edge is one of the people she modeled her career after. She appreciates him having her on the show. And Becky says, clearly, Edge sees what she sees. Edge agrees. And he, and he hopes she's going to hear 
him out. And he goes on about how he wasn't supposed to be in the main event. He wasn't supposed to be on posters. He had to scratch and bite and claw for every inch, just like Becky. And the fans chant, you deserve it. And Edge says, Becky didn't make the right choice in throwing away her friendship with Charlotte. Edge says he made those same choices because he crushed any friendships that got in his way on his way to the top. And he left a trail of burned bridges. And Edge says, Becky can win all the titles she wants. Her face can be on the posters, but the choices she makes will define her and they will stain her soul. Edge says the end result of choices she's making now will end with Becky sitting at home, staring at titles on the wall, reminiscing about her accomplishments all by herself. And Edge says the kicker is that Becky is not even going to like herself. And hmm, Becky takes a second here, long appropriate second to take in the comment that Edge just made. And she said, you know what? You're right. I don't like myself. I love myself. And uh, everybody goes nuts. She tells Edge to stop being so condescending to the champ. Get out of a ring and try to be careful not to break your neck again on the way back out through the ropes. The music interrupts. Out comes uh, Charlotte Flair. Flair asks Becky if she really had to go there. Flair tells Edge all Becky cares about is the title on her shoulder. Flair mentions Becky running uh, away from her at Super SmackDown. Uh, Charlotte enters the ring. Uh, ends up tackling Becky, brawl around the mat. Officials come out to try to break him up. Adam Pierce, Jamie Noble, Fit Finley, stars of SmackDown past, now in suits. Several referees try to break up the fight, and we, we go to commercial here. Maybe one of the best parts of the show? I, I mean, outside of Batista? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What'd you think of the line yeah. about don't break your neck again? That, no, I thought that was great. I mean, I like that she put that in there. Um Becky's just been so awesome. You know, that's part of the reason why I know we talked about this. Got my tickets to WWE Evolution. Was on the fence a little bit about, ah, I'm not really excited by any of the matches, but Becky versus Charlotte, last woman standing. Can't wait for it. Going to be worth the 12 hours I'm going to spend in a plane round trip to see Evolution live. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I don't know if it's the accent combined with the sass or what it is, but like when she's delivering these, uh, when she's when Becky's delivering these jabs and these put downs, they just, they just come off so well. They get the reaction you want. Um, she's just on a whole different level. Uh, I thought, you know, aside from the, you know, the funny hypocrisy that we all just laughed about, about him being a moral compass. I, I think, um, I think it was well done. I thought, I thought he delivered his lines well and I thought she reacted well to it. I think it, um, you know, I think it was good use, good use of, of edge. Yeah. I, again, you know, it was, he made a good argument for why he has such an attachment to SmackDown. Even hearing him talk, I thought back to the Undertaker program. I thought back to the scraggly beard. I thought back to, to Vicky Guerrero. And I really do kind of identify Edge as, you know, one of the people that helped put SmackDown on the map. I genuinely think he's probably one of the, the few big guys that uh, really could call SmackDown home, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I think if you if you think okay, who um, who really owns SmackDown? I think I, I think it was a I think it's, you know you you got to put Edge in there. Um, I think Batista is a name you got to put in there. I think JBL is a name you put in there. I think there's you know definitely a, a handful of names you can simply say yeah they, they were they were truly SmackDown guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, very cool and uh, awesome seeing Jamie Noble, right? <laughs> Talking about <laughs> SmackDown guys, I got excited, yeah. you know. Finley, you're, you're you're his biggest fan, Nick. I do. I like Jamie Noble. He got remember when he got like in a, a trailer park brawl like a year ago and got like stabbed and was like at WWE shows again like a week later. I love that man. I want to talk to Jamie Noble. All right. I remember. I remember his days with the, what was her name? Nidia. Nidia, Nidia man, absolutely. 
Jamie Noble is great. Um, and Fit Finley, of course, had a great run on SmackDown as well with Hornswoggle. Uh, we go backstage. We see Ray Mysterio. He'll be returning later against Nakamura. He's talking with Jeff Hardy. Um, and we come back from the break. There's going to be uh, – we got a third set of photos recapping various SmackDown moments. Is it just me or was that shot of Undertaker grabbing Shawn Michaels clad in white and smoke in all of the slideshows tonight? Did it did it make <laughs> way into every recap package? Or It's a cool-looking shot. It is. It's just – they relived it over and over again. All right. Uh, we get the SmackDown Tag Team title match. The Bar versus The New Day. Uh, I'm, Teddy Long got credit on commentary for putting this match, match together. Oh, why? Were they trolling him? I don't get it. And so this match also of note because The New Day's Budio's commentary table was now filled by WWE Hall of Famers, Jerry Lawler, and Booker T. And you would think that they were going to be the commentators for this match. You would be wrong. Instead, what we got was a confusing cacophony of five voices at two different tables trying to call this about. It was a little weird to me. I don't know. Well, and it's like King and Booker didn't know when they were supposed to talk. Like we'd randomly get the picture and picture that now now the camera's on their table, so they need to say something. So then you're like forcing them to come up with a line. And when you're forcing King and Booker to come up with a one line, they have a lot of one-liners, but when you're forcing them to, I just, you know, you know what it made me think of? Honestly, the first thing I thought of, because of the way King's dressed and this, the, here's this two man table of randomness, it made me think of Mania 12 when they were doing the Hulkster of the Nacho thing and they cut to the Hulkster versus Nachos or taking jabs at WCW. And then you had, it was the geriatric match and you had Vince and Lawler on commentary. And, but like they, they're, 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 they were like silhouettes. It, it just made me think this is like some geriatric skit. Like I, I didn't, you know, Booker and Lawler, the king of, you know, both kings of, of random one-liners that make no sense sometimes. Glenn? No, I thought it was a little confusing having the double commentary, but uh, enjoyed the match and the big show run-in at the end. I'm telling you, I think for Crown Jewel, three-on-three, three, the bar and big show versus New Day, right? I mean, books itself. Now, it, here's the thing is, are big show and the bar a formal three-man unit? Because I saw Seamus tweeted out the bar show afterwards, and do they anticipate Freebird-style rules defending these titles just like the New Day? Oh, maybe. But uh, at least for Crown Jewel, right? I mean, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, I think simple. it's just for Crown Jewel. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. I just kind of I, I, I kind of like the three-man unit. I think there's a lot of good little three-man stables right now in pro wrestling. Just interesting that there's two guys that would be exercising the free bird, two teams that would be exercising that rule at the same time. I can't think of a time when, when that's happened. So it's maybe like a, uh, a Nation of Domination, uh, Disciples of Apocalypse, and Los Periquis. Yeah, Well, storytelling, it makes sense because they could say that with the New Day, this is how they keep winning. The fact there's three of them, there's the extra guy, this is the bar evening the odds. Um, I think this could have more legs beyond Crown Jewel. Maybe go as far as Survivor Series with it. But uh, Big E and Big Show, I mean, that's that's going to be some money spots. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. And Big E's face when he saw Big Show out there, you know, getting that direct eye contact. Big E's always so good with facial reactions anyway. The surprise. It was almost like he felt betrayed. It was like that look, <laughs> you know, betrayal. <gasps> big Show, we thought you were our big friend. No. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. That'll be great. And, you know, also, yeah, the bar beat the New Day here, took the titles back. New tag team champions, five-timers club. They've joined that. Um, I, heard, I remember a report a while back about – I'm trying to remember who it was. I like to cite my sources traditionally. But about the New Day 
um, maybe be in position to eventually overtake the all-time tag team title record. And they're still a bit off, but it doesn't... I, I always think about that when I see them hold the titles for like a month or so and then lose them again, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like the same thing of why like Charlotte kept losing it to Sasha and then winning it back. They just want to like keep adding up the title reign numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a good team to go back and forth with. Uh, we go, we get more photos from SmackDown. I'm pretty sure that Undertaker Michaels thing was in there again. Uh, we got a we got a pre-recorded video from John. We got a pre-tape from John Cena. He talks about how SmackDown came along thanks to The Rock and gave new talents a chance, including a kid who came to the ring and, and smacked Kurt Angle. Uh, Cena joked that he regrets slapping Angle, but he does not regret starting his career on the blue brand. Great moment in SmackDown history. Next uh, qualifying match, we have Rey Mysterio and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, in the main event, we would get a little bit here after this, a little bit of a different segment. Uh, Rey versus Nakamura here. Big match, big return. It, this whole thing just felt... Whoosh. Way too fast. I didn't even get a chance to appreciate, I feel like, Mysterio Nakamura here. Ray uh, did uh, pick up the win here uh, after he hit the 619, dropped the dime, and covered Nakamura. He's going to be in the World Cup tournament. I believe a rematch has already been announced for Starcade between these two for the title. So they're going to do more with, with Ray and, and Nakamura. Mm. <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah came, just rush to me. Yeah, it came a little flat, a little rushed. Um the two guys seemed like they were a little. I mean, it seemed like seemed like they got a little, little snug on each other, a little, little off time at times. I will say that was a great spot with the baseball slide out to the outside that Ray did. That was probably. Oh my god, that was. I mean, just incredible. I was thinking about it last night. Uh, I got the email. WWE's doing some live events in the Bay Area. I'm just like, man, if Ray's doing the house shows on the SmackDown Loop, I, that that'll get me to go. You know, if I was on the fence before. Oh yeah, it's it's cool. Ray's an attraction right now. I and I guess it just was the nature of the show. Maybe there were a couple things here or there. Maybe hold off on the World Cup qualifiers till next week. Although I guess that would have raised some speculation if they if they hadn't done it. Yeah. Um, but it just seemed like if they'd have trimmed this down a couple segments, let stuff like this breathe a little bit more, would have maybe felt a little bit more. It, it is funny to me, and I said this last week to you, Nick. I said, you know, it's pretty obvious. Okay, Ray's going to win. He's not going to lose his return match. He's not going to lose his you know returning match. And of course. You know, this World Cup is very much a nostalgia cup. It's very much, you know, the, the, the Saudi Arabia show. They wanted these nostalgia guys, Orton, Cena, et cetera. Um, it is interesting that they're calling it the World Cup and everybody who's qualified is American, which is which is interesting because WWE has more international flavor than ever on the roster, but they're going with all Americans in what's called a World Cup. Yeah. Well, it's like, the you know, uh, the World the National Football League. I don't know. Wait, which one is it? I'm not a big sports I mean, I mean, I mean, I know Ray's, you know, I know Ray. Mexican, but like it was like everybody like they don't have like I don't know I would have thought they would have more flavor. I thought you would got a you would have got a Sheamus, you would have got a Drew McIntyre, you would have got more international flavor. It's just everybody's. You know, at, at this point, I think it was just like we need eight big names to make this yeah. team important. Um, or, but I agree with or, you. If and again, if it wasn't just like some, <clears throat> if they weren't just trying to tell Saudi Arabia, hey, you guys got a World Cup too, and you know we're just trying to satiate everyone here. I, if they'd have had more reason to put thought into it. Like I think you're thinking of a, a, a former world cup, maybe on like WWE yeah. network or something. This just didn't seem like it was ever intended to be more than just a, a title on a tournament. You know? So let's go back to Ray's uh, head first slide out of the ring and mm-hmm. how awesome that was. Do you think like, was that like, did he oil up extra to get that little bounce on the way out? Or did he just time that? Like he did like almost like he was doing the worm, like he did a little bounce right at the edge and just flew. Like that was so cool to see that I- last night. I've seen Ray do that before, and it is a cool spot. My, I just, oh, I got sensitive skin. 
and he's not wearing a shirt. And I had a similar thought. I didn't think that he did he like lube himself up. I just kind of thought, did he like burn his? Does is he? Oh yeah, Nick. Nick, your thoughts like, oh, that's gonna be hell on the nipples. Yes, exactly. I'm gonna band aids here after the show. It's not. You know, it's not. It's not rug burn. I mean, <laughs> it's. Is that what, are you like are you like simulating that if you did it on carpet like how it feels that what your canvas is not like it's not like silk sheets you know i, I know I mean, i'm just it's i mean i'm not. sure i'm sure he had some kind of water or oil or something sweat 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 oh yeah. yeah at the end of the show it's like a slip and slide on there you know see at that point it's like an accelerant and i hadn't necessarily thought about the nips in particular but glenn said it and now i'm thinking like yeah like that, that would anyway. That's rough. It's uncomfortable to think about. Ugh. All right. The show's, going off, the show's going off the rails now that we've moved into lubrication territory. All right. Yes. Uh, let's go. Uh, after the match, uh, Ray is celebrating, and then ominously we get the gong. What's going to happen? Is Undertaker going to come attack Ray Mysterio? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Undertaker comes out. Ray leaves the ring. Taker basically just says at Crown Jewel, DX will rest in peace. I, I could have read the other descriptives here, but that's about it, right? More coherent than his Raw 25 promo. Ugh. Yes. Th- I, but at least this, th- at least this had an, a, a purpose, right? He does have a match coming up. But yeah, that Raw 25 promo, that was like word jazz. That wasn't a promo. Um, his, combined, his combined time of walking to and from the ring was longer than his combined time standing in the ring. I had a couple people mention to me on Twitter how they thought that this show... Could have used a third hour, right? Whether or not they could. Absolutely. Could've. Um. Well, I I can guess why they didn't do it, but I really thought they were going to be like go to the WWE Network to see whatever Taker's going to do because it happened so close there, right at the end. I know they can't really do an overrun because of the purge. This felt like an appropriate time to maybe send your your diehards to the network to to get a little bit more out of this monumental event. What I thought it was going to be is after you said the rest in peace, is I thought okay, yeah, because I looked at the time, like right, they got to get out. And then I was thinking, okay, maybe we know Triple H is there. Maybe DX Music's hits or something like that. And then they go, oh, my God, we got to go. And then, yeah, then toss to the network or, or some kind of a special they released on YouTube of showing what happened after the they went off the air. And that, you know, Yeah. Yes, I agree. It, 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 I wanted that kind of stay tuned, folks, type feel for the end of SmackDown 1000. And instead, I just kind of got stay tuned. You know, like it was yeah. like, question mark. Uh. A mixed bag for me. I like Batista. I thought Becky shined as usual. Uh, the tag match was good, albeit a little convoluted on commentary. Um, and then Vince McMahon, that man just loves to dance, I guess. That's but like I wonder thing. how many, you know, we, we heard Tori Wilson, James Ellsworth. That seems like a lot of people that we heard would supposedly be there weren't seen. Is there, do we know anything about that? Oh, yeah. Ellsworth was supposed to be there. He was bad. They, did, they dropped a YouTube backstage vignette um, on YouTube.com slash WWE. Ellsworth was backstage. I haven't watched the video, but he explains why he wasn't on the show. So yeah. you can go find that if you'd like. I'm going to guess bound for glory. Is that what he says? Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I, I I just got the vibe that that day, the writer's room just looked like she. Yeah, well, they had too much for a two hour show, honestly. And it, yeah, they probably shouldn't have had any matches last <laughs> night if they were just going to do all nostalgia and stuff in hindsight. Um yeah, I thought, uh, oh, no, good show. But, yeah, Mixed Match Challenge was business as usual last night. There was nothing special about that. Mm-hmm. 
I gotta get back <laughs> in. Tune into Facebook to see who the Undertaker's next match yeah. partner is. Oh, if it was Taker and Michelle, that would actually be so cool. That would be really cool, but you know who you really want tagging with Taker is Sister Abigail, right? That's the mixed match challenge team you need. Uh, let's talk about that. I got three quick news bits here we're going to hit on before uh, we, we wrap up the show here today. Uh, thank you guys for enjoying the SmackDown preview, but I brought up Bray Wyatt there, uh, Sister Abigail. Bray Wyatt has resurfaced on Twitter, and have you guys had a chance to check out the uh, bizarre series of tweets that Bray put up uh, in the past couple days? I saw some yeah. of them, you know. Seems kind of Bray Wyatt-ish. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of introducing... I'm going to pull it up here. I had this later in the run sheet, but I'll pull it up right now. This is taking a second. Yeah, this is a, This was kind of interesting because, you know, obviously Matt Hardy went down with injury. They were in the deleters of worlds. What is Bray Wyatt's next move going to be here? And, uh, he, oh, there's a new tweet, too, here that I hadn't noticed. So these are all kind of out of order. Day 23, subject is showing signs of progress at times. Violent outbursts are commonplace. Spewing threats at our staff and multiple at our staff in multiple languages and reciting passages from Bible, and and then it goes day three. So back in time, subject believes God as well as several other entities speak to him directly. They gave him a scapegoat for seven, pulled a nail from his cell. He was attempting to repent through torture, masochistic tendencies. Pray that after so many treatments, he will be free in this affliction once and for all. Sincerely. Dr. M. And Day then, five. Subject keep watching Cape Fear. Will not stop imitating Robert De Niro. Yeah. And then uh, some of the staff, and then there's one more here. Some of the staff are apathetic to a situation. Others intrigued. Then there are others like me, Teeter and the Virgin of Obsession, Location, Orleans Parish. And then it says, My time's at hand. And it looks like there's a Bible quote at the bottom. Riddle, 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 riddle. And then he comes back and he loses. Riddles go away. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's what it really comes down to is riddle, riddle, riddle. Okay, show me something when he comes back. I, I, I you know, I'm rereading this now, and I, I have a different take on it now. This has got to be this Doctor M's notes about whatever Bray Wyatt has been doing since he's off TV. Like he went to an asylum in New Orleans, and I'm gonna guess he is like got a hold of the notes. I got to think that these are notes about him from these days, right? I, yeah, I guess. Again, like I said, I, I, I kind of. He, he he speaks again. It's just riddle, 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 and then it's just I, I want to see the follow through. Yeah, I, I don't know, Glenn. Are you? Does this bite you at all? Are you kind of the same way, where you're just like, eh, more Bray Wyatt. Yeah, it's they're not going to do anything substantially different. And I think he needs that. I think he needs something really different this time. The only thing that's changed in the last year is he became really toned down with um, with uh, Matt Hardy, and that's because by comparison, you know, Matt was the more flamboyant one with the crazy talk. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The idea of Bray Wyatt in an insane asylum being dealt with, with crawling up the walls and pulling ceilings out of the, you know, he's got the stigmata and nails shoot out of his hand into the ceiling. I'm, I I, I mean, never thought get, that... Yeah, if we get some, if we get some video of, if, if we get illustration of this stuff, but if it's just going to be him riddling doing tweets just to kind of kill time until oh, he does come back. Actually, I'm going to take a different tact on that, Justin. <laughs> if we get that, but Bray Wyatt comes back and Bray Wyatt's cured. They got him on some new meds. Bray Wyatt's got it all together. <laughs> George the Animal Steel style, right? Like he gets yeah. hit in the head and now he's like a genius. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, also talking about uh, characters, controversial characters, Austin Aries, Bound for Glory. Uh, we didn't talk about this on Monday night, Glenn. I don't know if you saw it. I was watching Bound for Glory live. Very controversial ending. Johnny Impact winning the title. Austin Aries, no selling to finish, standing up to his feet, walking out, flipping off Don Callis. 
flipping off the fans, using profanities. Bizarre. Um, Justin, what have you heard about what's going on with Aries and Impact right now? I, I mean, I don't have any insight. I mean, I can only just <clears throat> comment as a viewer. I mean, I think, you know, yes, it's a work. If anybody, I mean, it, it's great. If, it's great to question. I, mean, I don't mean to say yes, it's a work, like to, to talk down to anybody questioning. It's good to question things. That, that, that means that they're doing a good job. Um, Aries, by reputation, makes this story that much more believable that maybe this is something that went off the rails um, you know, because he's perceived to have to be a little bit of a person that's difficult to deal with as from his you know, past stuff and career. Um, but, you know, all, all in all, I think, I, I think TNA did a good job. I think, you know, from the, from the tweets to the presser to how they did this. I mean, I know some people think, oh, he just disrespected and no sold a whole match and move, but it's gotten people talking. It, it's buzzing. It, it, I think, I'm, I, I think it was good. I think it was executed well, you know? Yeah. Glenn, have, has this grabbed you at all? I don't know how, where impact is. No, on. I keep thinking about watching impact. And then I keep uh, thinking about how I know people who work for impact and think like, do I want to try and write for impact? Like, this is the process I go through every time Impact comes up. Because I'm like, to me, it seems like a step above trying to get a program on my local public access channel. Like, maybe if I, you know, just talk to some people, I could sort of, you know, pitch some ideas and whatnot. And then I think, yeah, my schedule's busy enough, you know? I, I don't know about that. I, I, you know, if you watch Bound for Glory, Bound for Glory was overall a, a pretty good show. And, I, you know, if you, if you keep up with Impact, the programming itself has not diminished. I mean, they're taking some pretty crazy chances with some stories and stuff here and there. But by and large... I think they've done a better job of keeping attention on the product. I mean, especially with this Aries Morris and stuff, they got some mainstream pub out of it. Everybody is working together. They're very tight on whatever it is, whatever's going on. I I feel like to to continue that, Nick, I feel like from the way they're telling stories and how they're using more talent from the independents, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys coming out of the Canada area from the way they're doing smaller venues, from just the general presentation. It feels like Don Callis and those guys, it feels like they are finally, they might, they're making some of the best strides to change the culture and change the reputation, you know, because Impact's always been kind of like the butt of the joke with wrestling fans. It's always been, it's always been, for the majority of us, it's been, you know, the, the punchline. Right. I think that they're doing a really, they're doing their best to get away from that and really say, look, here, here's our product. We're not a joke. We're not going to hemorrhage money like it used to. It's not Dixie Carter. You know, like I, I feel like they're really doing their best to try to change the culture. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, everybody that I know that has work, is working there right now says it's an incredible locker room. The people backstage, oh, sure. the people backstage of nothing else are very happy, and that has not always been the case. And you know, when you have a happy, motivated locker room, um, more times than not, it's going to roll over into to something on TV. So we'll see where it goes. I also have a sense that this is not all entirely on the level. It's somewhere. It reminds me kind of of Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, where you knew there was an agreement, but you never knew how much of it went off the rails. You know, <laughs> you were going somewhere else. It's not entirely on the level. Could there be uh, mob money involved? I'm not saying, but you know, it's not entirely on the level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, it just, you know, those guys cross lines. They blurred the lines where it's like, well, I know this stuff is, they're all working together, but maybe he didn't see that one coming. I think there's a lot of that here with Aries and Morrison as well. Uh, and last thing here, uh, real quickly, we'll, we'll touch on, they did announce a battle royal for Evolution. Uh, I didn't know we had enough matches announced for Evolution to necessitate a battle royal to be announced. And I guess a lot of the members of the roster that are female uh, had similar thoughts. It does seem like the women took to Twitter posting gifts of kind of surprise. Why? What? Why are you doing this? Um, it, it seemed a little early for me to just be announcing this one. For me, anybody thoughts Evolution Battle Royal? I kind of fi- I kind of expected one to be announced because I figure they kept talking about how many women they were going to have involved in the show, past and present, and just by just by doing basic math, it was like, well, they don't they're not going to be able to have enough matches, one on one or tag matches to get them all in. So we're going to have to do the obligatory Battle Royal just to get just just so that everybody can make their entrance, so to speak. 
Well, some of these matches are going to be considerably long. I don't think Nikki versus Ronda will be, but you have a last woman standing match. You've got Shayna versus Kari Sane. Um, you've got the Mae Young Classic finals. This audience has an infinite appetite for women's wrestling. So I don't think you have to worry about uh, the matches going on too long. Maybe they fear if they'd stack the card with too many matches, it would cut into the runtime of some of these. So I get the logic with it, but still for me, you know, if this was a five hour pay-per-view with the pre-show, um, like I said, man, me, you know, I'm traveling 12 hours round trip to go see this live. A lot of other people are coming from all over the world to this. Like while we're there, we will not complain. If you give us more matches, you give us more stuff. The battle Royal seems like the low hanging fruit as it were to get as many women on the card as possible. And, and I'll ask you, Glenn, as somebody who's going, do, do you wish they'd have kept the, the Mickey tag or the Mickey Lita matches separate? Or are you kind of, are you more excited about the, the idea of them being in a tag match? Um, I think with the talent involved as a tag match is fine. Now for someone like Becky and Lita, it would be like, oh man, or Trish and Sasha. Great. But uh, no disrespect to Mickey James. I like Mickey James a lot. Love Alexa Bliss. Uh, love Trish. Love Lita. Putting them in a tag match. I get it. And there might be some injuries there. Some concerns about age and uh, conditioning. I understand why they're doing this as a tag match. Uh, I'll be happy to see it live. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, Wrestling Inc. podcast here for Wednesday, October 17th. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in. If you want to Find me, follow me on Twitter. I am at Wink, W-I-N-C, Rebel, at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Um, and uh, uh, Justin, you want to tell people where to find you? At Justin Labar on Twitter. There you go. And Glenn, how about yourself? At Glenn Rubenstein on, on the Twitters. Uh, yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this will be up uh, on the Wrestling Inc. audio channel via iTunes. Please subscribe there. Share this out. It's also on the Wrestling Inc. Facebook page. It's also on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. And, of course, you need to go to Wrestling Inc. every single day to get all your wrestling news. Make it your life. Make it your religion. Because you know what? If you winked, you didn't miss it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.